Welcome, everyone, to the third episode of Test Talks Radio, where we focus on diving deeper into the, into the stories and motivations of the builders and members of the Tezos ecosystem. I'm your host, William McKenzie, and today uh, we're joined with our other co-host, uh, Brian Lee. Brian, how's everything going? Things are going really well on my end. Uh, you look a bit frazzled today. How's your... <laughs> vacation going in florida it certainly could have been better i'll I'll just i'll just say that yeah so you uh you you took a long drive what was it like nine hours yeah it was about nine hours from where we live the weather's not that good uh no we're actually in the middle of a tropical storm right now cristobal yeah it's just been kind of nonstop raining oh god probably not the best weekend to go to uh, not the coast exactly yeah not exactly well, at least you can spend some time and do this podcast indoors rather than outdoors. So do you want to get into two topics first? We're going to talk about the recent live stream and also some real estate tokens uh, from BTG Pactual. Uh, sure. So earlier uh, last month, um, we actually did a live stream with Dave Hendricks and William Baxter of Vertalo. It was a really good stream, actually, for the people who watched in the stream. I believe William Baxter converted a ETH security token, a Tezos formatted V token. So it was really actually see that process <clears throat> right there. Yeah, in terms of current security tokens on Tezos, uh, we've definitely been seeing a lot of momentum there. Um, more recently, BTG Pactual. Uh, who previously had the right BZ, I believe, uh, issuing on Ethereum, has transferred about five million uh, of that raise conducted on Ethereum to Tezos. The security token market, Tezos has been a clear leader there. You know, there's been <clears throat> lots of momentum, specifically in real estate. You know, there was elevated returns and securitize, wanting to conduct up to $1 billion uh, worth of real estate STOs. And uh, we also heard a lot of news about T0 and Alliance Investments, tokenizing about $643 million worth of STOs um, with the uh, River Plaza located in the UK. So for those who don't know, uh, BTG Pactual is based in Brazil, I believe. That's true, right? Yes. Yeah. And it looks like they're uh, a financial company. And in the, in the post from Cointelegraph, which we'll go ahead and share in the show notes, uh, they were talking about how they were initially going to partner with companies like Securitize uh, in order to do this. But at the end, they actually just chose it to do it themselves uh, in order to understand the whole process. So that's, that's pretty cool, I think. Uh, that more legitimate banks and these big companies in the space are actually interested in doing these things themselves and interacting with the blockchain. Yeah, I, I think just in general, you know, real estate is something that is very difficult to tokenize. I don't think the move and you know decision for all these different companies to start switching over from Ethereum is something to just. Uh, kind of let breeze by you know right we've seen it several times now so 
Yeah, I think by this point, you know, we can definitely say that there's a trend right. and uh, the benefits that is offered uh, is definitely worth the trade-off in switching. Absolutely. So, Brian, would you like to talk about uh, news that um, over 10,000 French shops are issuing uh, these Tezos prepaid cards? Yeah, sure. So there was a startup called Digicode, and they're making it possible for people in France to purchase prepaid cards with crypto uh, from retail shops. So up until this point, you know, they've they've uh, had support for, I guess, maybe the top four or five coins. You know, you have Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, uh, XRP, I believe. And now they are supporting XTZ as well. But you know, I'm I'm always pretty suspect when it comes to these prepaid cards. I actually, I would not buy one myself. You know, I don't really see the purpose of it, but I think it might appeal to some people, of course, because if it didn't, then they would not have them. But uh, just personally speaking, you know, if I wanted to buy some crypto, I would probably just uh, go to the exchange and just buy it there. And the thing with these prepaid cards is the crypto is not actually on there, right? So uh, it's not it's not a thing where they just put the key on the card and you can like scratch it off. And then after that, you can import it or something like that. Like that's completely not the case. That would be extremely right. unsafe, right? Because someone could just come break into the store and take away all the cards. And if you have the keys, like inscribed right on the card they could essentially just transfer that and there would be no way to stop that unless you can uh unless you had an idea of uh what keys were on those cards and you could potentially block them but but besides that there's no way that you could track them but this is not what they're doing uh what this is is actually when you buy one of these prepaid cards uh it's just a voucher code that you can use to access the crypto after you give them um, your details. And, you know, that's the same thing as going to sign up for an exchange and then buying the crypto right there, I think. Uh, it's kind of a different experience, but at the end, you do have to send like your passport and stuff like that uh, to the exchange to prove you are who you are. So, so, you know, like in terms of mass adoption, I don't see like, prepaid cards as something that is going to drive mass adoption especially when it when it's just like a code that you actually have to log into somewhere and then you redeem your crypto you know there's uh, a lot of strict rules i think in in the post they were talking about yeah like how you can't buy uh, more than a certain amount per month which is like just another rule that would not happen if there was like if this was like truly crypto right because like this is all about supposed to be no rules. You're in charge of your own funds. But uh, here we have some prepaid cards that essentially uh, is just a voucher code. So that's kind of how I feel about it. But on the same note, I think this kind of news is bullish for the coins that are, are supported, I guess. Right. It's more uh, right. like if someone goes to the store, you know, they can see that this thing you can buy bitcoin you can buy litecoin and then now you can buy xtz and that might help propel the brand from that aspect but in terms of actual utility it's kind of a difficult case to make at least for me um i don't see 
prepaid crypto cards really taking off that much. But I would be happy to hear what you have to say on this, Will. Maybe you have a different perspective. I think it's definitely, you know, good advertising for sure, because I believe these are only going to be located in tobacco shops. Yeah, you know, you go to a tobacco shop uh, where they're selling these and you, you know, see this card. You, you may go home later. You may think about, you know, what what is on this card, Tezos, you know, you may go home later and look a bit, a bit more into it. But yeah, I, I think you explained it real well. Uh, it's just kind of a voucher. So I don't really see that being too useful in the sense towards mass adoption. But I believe... Um, there's only three different limits that you yeah. can get on these cards. I think it's like 20 euros, 50 and 200. I think that's right. And maybe I'll have to look into this a bit more because from the research that I've done so far and from just my personal thoughts on prepaid cards and, you know, like all those gift cards that you see at places from like iTunes and uh, all these popular stores, I never see anyone buying those gift cards right uh you know i've gone to market basket which is like a grocery store here and they sell a bunch of uh they sell a bunch of gift cards and i never see people buying those so my whole my whole perspective on on any of these prepaid cards is one of suspicion but at the same time uh when i do go to the store and i see those cards it does remind me about the brand you know uh if if i see like a gift card for starbucks or something it might jog my mind and say oh look now i want to go get a drink Uh, so i think it could help in in that respect but in terms of actually like people going to these shops and buying the prepaid cards and then they're going to go redeem it for crypto i don't think that's going to take off but i could be completely wrong on that Right. And, you know, kind of like what you brought up previously, uh, I think just the mere idea of uh, these cards and especially them requiring KYC, you know, it kind of goes against the whole crypto philosophy. Crypto ethos. Be your own bank. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, let's go ahead and move into our next topic, Brian. Would you like to discuss the news of the Magic SDK uh, integration? Yeah, so Magic SDK is a passwordless authentication option for Tezos. And if you're not familiar with what that means, let's just go ahead and uh, and discuss that a bit. So when you log into a website, or in the case of blockchain, if you log into a dApp, okay, let's just talk about the website first. If you log into Facebook, you have to have a password. And a lot of people are not very good at setting up passwords. For example, I know that my mom has in the past set her password as password. And that's (laughs) a terrible password. But that's just like what a lot of people do. As we've seen in the past with all of these like breaches and leaks, oftentimes there, there are companies out there that actually just store their passwords in plain text. So it's an extremely dangerous thing to rely on these companies to keep you safe. There's something called passwordless, uh, which if you just look at the word, it kind of tells you what it means. And in this case, what passwordless does is, if, is when you try to log in somewhere, 
um, they would actually send you an email. And from there, you can click on the link and it will log you in. And we won't get into the specific tech things about like why that works, but we've seen this kind of passwordless usage in very well-known apps around the world. So for, for example, uh, when you try to sign up for Slack, right, uh, you put in your email and it will actually send you a link that you can click and then it will log you in right, right to the app. And uh, that's just like one example of a app that we probably all use now, uh, thanks to the coronavirus. And right. <laughs> yeah, I've got like so many slacks. I don't know. I have like eight or nine, but uh, yeah. So all of that, I believe, is handled through passwordless. And I think when you take passwordless and bring it into the blockchain space, it's even cooler. Uh, because it allows you to abstract out things like your key, right? Uh, if you want to log into a DAP now, you know, you you have to like type in your key and then uh, you have to sign a transaction of sorts to make log into the DAP. And that's pretty, that's like a lot of friction for a lot of people because first of all, I don't believe that you should even have to do stuff with your key. I think... Uh, it's probably better to just put that in the safe and keep it safe. Um, but abstracting out that action, I think, is going to bring a lot more adoption into the space. So just for example, they found that when they implemented passwordless, uh, the rate of usage of the dApps went from 10% to almost 90%. So uh, that's like an that's like a nine x. That's a pretty good return. Much better than some of the shit coins nowadays. I think, <laughs> but we're not talking about investments, of course. And yeah, so I'm pretty excited for this. They recently came out of stealth mode, I think. And before the past few weeks, they were kind of working on this in secret. And then this was released. Yeah, this is just going to give dApps that are built on non-Ethereum on XTZ to make use of passwordless authentication. So did you want to add anything on this, Will? No, I, I think you covered it pretty well. Another interesting piece of news that we saw was a blog post put out by Coinbase. Um, you know, Coinbase launched Teso staking, I believe, early November of last year. And since its launch, uh, actually over 2 million uh, in rewards has been created through uh, people using their service. So I think that's pretty neat. And honestly, just in general, um, when they launched Tezo Staking uh, back in November, just the way that they appealed you know, to this very large millennial demographic who I would argue is probably the majority of people within crypto. Yeah, um, I think so. You, yeah. <laughs> um, you actually get to sit there and see your returns generate automatically and continuously. Oh, yeah, that thing. You know, it's, go like, up. it's like when you go get gas or something, right? And it just right. keeps right. going when up. When you're filling up. at the pump, it yeah. keeps going up. But instead of, you know, actually 
having to pay that money, you know, this is some money yeah. you're earning. It's the opposite. It's the opposite, but they're giving yeah. you gas <laughs> in a way. Yeah. But yeah, I, I think just that move to implement something like that shows that they're really targeting that demographic. And I, I think that's very good for crypto. I actually also use this staking as well. I have maybe 1% of my XTZ on Coinbase. Don't shoot me. I, I know it's <laughs> not like super safe, you know, because if they, if they one day wake up and they're like, Brian Lee is a criminal, uh, they can go ahead and lock up my coins right there and I won't be able to ever get them again. You know, that's why I only have a bit on there. And, uh, you know, once it, once I get a bit more on there, you know, I'm buying maybe once a week or so, uh, at some point, if it gets to a place where I think it's too much to put on there, I'll go ahead and take it off of the exchange. But, but for now, yeah, I think it's great that you can just keep your coins on there because it, and, uh, earn. Cause I think that kind of also is a parallel to how our bank accounts work, right? Uh, we, we keep our cash in the bank and we earn a very low rate on it. I'm not sure what the <clears> rates <throat> are exactly, but, uh, I think you mentioned a few episodes ago or maybe on a separate podcast that, you know, you can't really find, find like a bank account that gets you more than 1% a year. You know, that's quite right. high. Yeah. And um, I think in the in the post from from Coinbase, they were saying that you can uh, earn, I believe, what is it, five percent from uh, from from your staking. And of course, the price of the token is going to shift, which is which plays a a big role in it. Like why why the rate is high and why it's seen as more of a risky um, move, but. But at the same time, I think uh, if you're seeing it more of as an investment rather than a checking account or a savings account, you know, it's quite it's quite attractive to be able to just uh, store your tokens on on a platform that is uh, that plays well with the people who make the laws around here. Uh, And and yeah, you can be sure that they'll do their best to uh, keep your tokens safe. Yeah. And just going off on that, you know, the reality is when you're trying to get people into, you know, the proof of stake ecosystem, if you will, staking is very complicated for newcomers. Some people, you know, I I can even say a few family members, they wouldn't even know how to buy, you know, Bitcoin. Yeah. So let alone introduce staking and something like that's just just difficult for newcomers to learn but you know coinbase is making it really simple yeah and i think that's only gonna do well for uh proof of stake as a whole and yeah also tesos yeah i i think so as well i think something like this which i guess is called staking as a service is is really a good thing for crypto and i think from like if you're a diehard crypto like burn down the world kind of guy like this might not be the right thing for you but if we take the argument back to like cash and gold i don't know a lot of people who actually store cash in inside their own house right and the same thing i don't know a lot of people who like keep gold under their bed 
especially when it comes to cash, most people do keep it in the bank. And I think that's kind of the same thing as instead of you keep your own keys at home and you're in charge of trying to choose which thing to stake to. No, like you can go ahead and put it all on the exchange and then they'll do it for you. That's the same thing as you go put your cash in the bank. Something like that, like appeals to the masses, I think. And yeah, I think Coinbase is is a pretty good place to do that, though. They've gotten some bad press lately. I think the past few days uh, they're being accused of handing over information to the DEA or something. And yeah, we're going to have to look more into that. I don't want to talk more about that, but uh, oh my God. And Coinbase just always, it always goes down. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Every single time. Yeah. Every single time Bitcoin price jumps. I know. know, Coinbase is the first to go down. It's yeah. crazy. And they've been around for so long. You think they would have gotten the Bitcoin thing by by now, right? Like, yeah, Bitcoin moves like all the time. And if you're an exchange that is apparently approved by the law, uh, you probably should be able to take those moves, right? I don't see these kinds of downtimes on other exchanges like kraken i think they're pretty stable but like every time bitcoin goes up or down let's say five points or something it crashes every single time and i hope they can figure out soon because i think each time it happens they're probably gonna lose some customers though they might be onboarding more people at a faster rate so they don't even care i'm not sure but lots of improvement is needed i think yeah. And I guess just to kind of wrap up this topic, you know, staking is something to actually participate within a proof of stake network. So just the fact that Coinbase has kind of automated this whole process and made it easy for, um, you know, newcomers to participate within uh, staking, I think that is very good. Yeah, and I like how they're making an effort to teach people about what like this network yeah, means the and what it means tutorials to stake. Yeah. You, where you can earn crypto by completing a course. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, all that stuff is pretty cool. I still haven't done mine. I think I have three. Oh yeah, I think on, I on did one for EOS and I might have done one was there one for Stellar, I think? Yeah, there's one for Stellar, EOS, and there's one for Tezos, and I think there was something else. Yeah. Might have been four. There's one for BitConnect. <laughs> Carlos? <laughs> right. So I think the, that was all of the topics that we wanted to discuss today. You know, just a quick update on some things going around the ecosystem. So did you have any more uh, thoughts, Will? Uh, yeah, just some closing thoughts. You know, I want to... Thank everyone who watches these, shares it, uh, leaves a comment. We appreciate the support, and we also appreciate Tesla's comments for uh, helping fund this. Yeah, uh, so we have a cool interview coming up with Chainlink next week. Uh, So that will be something to look forward to. So if you're interested in more about how Chainlink is going to affect this project, and how uh, we are going to integrate, be sure to 
subscribe. And uh, yeah, stay tuned for the next episode of Test Talks Radio.